Hey, what's up? It's Roy Wood Jr. from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. You are listening to The Friendly Confines Podcast. Chad and Ryan. Rhino, we're back. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. You had a baby, and it just threw the whole podcast into chaos. You've got to make better decisions. It's affected my life, but I, I don't want to give you too much, uh, too much grief. I'm glad we're back. And you know what? We have an affiliation now with Cubby's Crib, a part of the fan-sided network. We got more eyeballs and more listeners now. We are excited to be the newest team members of Fansided and Cubby's Crib so more people can access what we are talking about. And we are so glad to be back for the 2022 season. And yes, Chad, I am a father now. So I have more responsibility than I ever have had in my life. And of course, with that comes, as I said, great responsibility. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a Spider-Man quote in there. Yeah, I think you messed it up, but we'll, we'll we'll get better. It's our first one. We're a little rusty, new listeners. We're going to break down what we think about the 2022 season. We're going to talk about the rotation, players we are excited to watch, the big news about, you know, or the speculation around Wilson Contreras, all those things and where we think the Cubs are going to be. Plus, we got a big guest. We have a huge guest from The Daily Show kicking off our 2022 campaign. It's Roy Wood Jr., comedian. You can check him out, of course, with his new comedy special, too. So stick around because the Friendly Confines 2022 starts right now. Going to Wrigley Field was a huge, unforgettable deal that impacted my life. Well, I think the Cubs winning based upon the, the gap was one of the biggest championships that is that have happened in any American sport in a really long time. The first day that they introduced me, I said, baseball matters on the north side of Chicago. It's one of the, I love baseball and I love fan bases where it's important. Well, I always hated the idea of the Cubs as lovable losers because I don't think there's anything lovable about putting an inferior product in front of baseball fans. It would be the highlight of my career uh, to see that happen and to, to get a chance to call it. And it, it didn't disappoint. I auditioned to the new kid. I, his name was Billy Crystal. I don't know whatever happened. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm on the Chad and Ryan show. Welcome to Friendly Confines Extra Innings with Chad Gordon and Ryan Lieber. everybody and let's start as we always do that in the first inning chad and let us begin chad the 2022 season has already begun for the chicago cubs so let us start here how excited or unexcited are you for the start of what this team is about and what it looks like go from there and start you know um it's i feel like there's two camps you know there's the camp that is very focused on what's not here. The camp that's going to just be upset because you don't have Rizzo, you don't have Bryant, you don't have Schwarber, you don't have all these guys that, that a lot of fans, let's be honest, that is what brought them into the Cubs camp. You know, that is why they're there. Me, on the other hand, I'm excited. I, I had this epiphany over the weekend during the Brewers series that, you know, for the first time since 2015, this is a Cubs team that's underdogs. Seriously, since 2015, this team was expected to do nothing but 
make it to the World Series or the NLCS. And when they didn't, but they made the playoffs, it was seen as a failure. They made the playoffs every year but one. And so for me, I'm really excited because this is a scrappy team of guys that don't have the weight of expectations on them, don't have, you know, also the the understanding that they don't have to do a lot more to have their legacy um, solidified in Chicago. The guys here right now are fighting for their legacy. And that to me this weekend, you know, against the Brewers, we're going to see as the week goes on. That's what's exciting for me. Yeah. I mean, look, you, you hit it on the head when you said there's no expectations to this season, right? So we can go into this year and not really feel like this is a team that is going to win a World Series, or for that matter, even make the postseason. We're going to get what we're going to get from this team. And we're going to learn about this team throughout the course of the year to see what they have. I'm not expecting much from them. I'm not upset about what this team has and doesn't have. I'm just curious to see what this team can do with the core of what they have. I recognize this is not going to be a team that is going to contend for a playoff spot. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see it as I go into the season. So am I excited? Mm, I don't know how excited I am necessarily, but I'm willing to give this team a shot to recognize and see what this ball club can produce with some of these new players, with some of these guys that they signed and ultimately see if there is a new core that can be built that we can then bring through the 2023 season and beyond and then recognize, okay, now we have something to work with. So for me, that is what I'm ultimately, I think, more excited about, the future of what this team ultimately could be compared to what we're currently seeing this year. You know, for our new friends with Cubby's Crib, they're going to find out that you're more measured. And me, on the other hand, I'm all in always just that optimistic, stupid Cubs fan until they prove me differently or uh, in, in otherwise. All right, let's move on to the second inning. And it's a very simple question. You know, we're not going to talk about the lockout. We're not going to talk about all the games because that is long gone. But what we can talk about is we're in our first week of the 2022 season. Ryan, how do you rank the Cubs front office as it applies to free agency? Well, it depends on what side of the fence you're on, Chad, as to what you were hoping to see. Were you thinking they were going to go out and sign Carlos Correa or Trevor Story or some of these big-name free agents that the Cubs ultimately did not sign? Well, then you're going to give them an F. If you're a team or rather a fan that looks at this team and says, all right, Clearly, if they had gone out and signed a big-name free agent, as I mentioned those two, and Nick Castellanos, whoever, then you sit there and say, would, have those, would those guys have made a difference? And the answer is, I don't ultimately think any of those guys would have made a difference. Or would you have wanted them to re-sign Javi and Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo? Well, then, yeah, you're going to be disappointed. Me, on the other hand, I didn't think if they signed any of those guys, it was really going to make a difference for this ball club. And I didn't see it happening, ultimately. So they went out, they signed Sia Suzuki, they went out and they signed Marcus Stroman. Those are probably the two biggest names that they went out and brought into camp. And again, I mean... Am I ultimately thinking this team, you know, did a great job in the offseason? I wouldn't give them an A necessarily, but for a team that is looking to rebuild, they were calculated in what they did, and they brought in guys that they're thinking long-term is ultimately going to be people that are going to help this club win down the line. So for me, 
I'll give them a C plus, B minus. I'll even be generous in yeah. that respect. So what what about you? What do yeah. you think this team ultimately did from a ranking standpoint in the offseason? Yeah, I mean, we're pretty aligned. I've got them at as a B minus. I mean, they made a big move, which they had to make because the fans were pretty, pretty upset um, bringing in Stroman before um, the lockout. And I thought, just an absolute fantastic guy. I love his presence on Twitter. I love his positivity. He's got to be outspoken. He's going to upset people, but he's all in his prep routine on his first start on Sunday at Wrigley was just, he looked so amped up and he pitched great. We've had some great quality starts by our, our, uh, our staff and, and Stroman is going to be a great guy to throw out there um, every five days. And we t- you talked about say Suzuki and, I, it was a surprise for a lot of people. There's not a lot of Cubs fans that were thinking about him last fall. Um, and when he came on board, people were not sure. And again, with the hindsight of an initial weekend against Milwaukee, where he looked really good, really measured, um, and had a great approach at the plate and great discipline, um, and he's going to play above average defense in right field, I'm super excited. So I've got them as a B-. minus. There's other guys out there, Robertson and others, um, that, that were great pickups. This team has a nice job of picking up pitchers where they can do a little bit of development and a little bit of tweaking and making them into something. But from a free agent standpoint, yeah, you know, it would have been nice to have a big flash. I was okay with none of the guys coming back. I addressed that in the first inning. The weight of expectations for those guys – they're always going to have that over their head of always measuring it up against 2016. I like moving forward with a new crew and a new core. Uh, And, you know, there are reports. We've seen the reports through the last week that the Cubs were in on Correa, but it didn't materialize. They didn't have an opportunity. But here's something I really like about what the front office has done. They've got a lot of payroll flexibility they are not to the gills right now they've got the opportunity to make a splash and Correa has an opportunity to opt out if that's the guy you truly want what I like about this Cubs front office they've got Madrigal they hope that he can again bat over 300 as he's done everywhere in his professional world play a solid second base uh but Nick Horner I mean, here's a Nico Horner, rather. Here's a guy that, um, let's give him a chance. Let's see what he has. He was one of our heralded top uh, picks. And, you know, let's see what he can do from a homegrown talent perspective before we go out and break the, the bank for some of these other guys. All right, so let's move on now, Chad, to the third inning. And we've talked about a lot of players, but which one in this 2022 season are you most excited to kind of follow throughout the year? It's two, and I'm just going to throw out two because I've been thinking about this season in that perspective. I hate to break the rules on you. I know you asked for one, but there's two guys. I want Ian Happ to play with less pressure on himself to be the leader, which I think really hurt him in years past. I want to see if Ian Happ can be the guy that could potentially be what we thought he was. Put him over in left field, takes a lot of pressure off him not being in center field, give him some days off here and there give him some good matchups, but give him an opportunity to be the guy that he's become vocally as the leader, but actually let him put his stamp on his team. So I'm watching him really closely. The other guy, and this truly is a make or break situation. I'm excited about Suzuki coming in the right field because it gives an opportunity to put Jason Hayward in center field where he actually ranks above average to any of the other guys defensively in that position. And we started to see a little bit in the first few games of Jason actually going the opposite way of him actually having a more measured approach. He got away from it a little bit on Sunday, but I'm excited to see 
is this a guy from a, a pride, from an ego, from a legacy standpoint? Is this somebody that is, is he going to take the money and run or is he actually going to have some sort of impact on this Cubs team? I was talking online with a buddy of mine earlier today and he was raving about Jason. He said, I was hard on him. He said, now, this guy is like the fourth best defensive war, you know, in the last X number of years. And I said, yeah, look at it since 2016. And it was right. He had a 16.3 defensive war with the Cubs. He had a one. So in other words, he's not been good defensively. And we see him as a defensive, you know, stud. He hasn't been from a war perspective. Also not been good. I'm watching him to say, okay, are the, are you going to force the Cubs to, to, to play their hand and dump you and just eat all that salary and you walk off into the into the into the world with a huge payday and a great initial eight years of your career, or are you actually going to put a stamp on your career in Chicago and give the fans finally something to cheer for? Uh, Jason Hayward and the soap opera that continues with him. Uh, we'll we'll hopefully listen. We'll always have the speech, Chad. But for for me. I got since you named two players, I'll just name two players. Uh, we agree on one Suzuki for me, obviously the big signing in the off season certainly put up tremendous numbers in Japan. Is he going to be more Ichiro or is he going to be more Fukudome? Uh, I think that's what every Cub fan would like to know. So hopefully uh, he obviously has gotten off to a nice start hit a home run over the weekend. So, you know, it seems like he's gotten a nice welcome so far. The other player for me is I want to see, if he can continue to kind of, you know, take what he did in 2021 and continue it into 2022, is Frank Schwindel. Is he as good as advertised? Is he this player that actually was as great as he was in 2021? Or is it one of those aberrations where nobody really knew who he was and it was one of those things where pitchers didn't know how to pitch to him because nobody really had the book on him yet. So I'm interested to see if Schwindel can kind of carry over into this season. And of course, I want to see what Suzuki can ultimately do in a full year with the Cubs. And maybe he is the new rallying point for this team and part of that core that we're talking about going into the seasons beyond 2022 as well. Well, let's move on to the fourth inning. We're going to go quick here. If you're a new listener, always do this uh, throughout the whole podcast. The rotation. It was a question mark in years past. They did a little patchwork. You know, they tried to make Jake Arrieta the savior last year. It did not work out. How are you feeling about the rotation here in 2022? Jed, I certainly feel like this team's rotation is better this year than it was last year. We know what Kyle Hendricks is. He's obviously going to be a dependable guy. Marcus Stroman, good signing. Certainly not an ace of a staff, but he's going to be a guy who you can depend on, going to give you some innings, going to be able to go out, give you quality starts. But, you know, obviously the back end of the rotation, you're looking at guys like Justin Steele or Drew Smiley, Wade Miley. I, I certainly think there's a lot more upside to these guys than there was last year when you're talking about like Albert Azale and as we mentioned, a broken down Jake Arrieta, who certainly was not anywhere near the player that we thought he would be, or even the pitcher that he was a couple of years ago. So I think this rotation can and will ultimately better, and hopefully they can stay healthy. Um, and I think the addition of Stroman certainly is a is a step in the right direction, making this rotation um, you know much more solid than it was a year ago. What do, what do you think? 
not a lot of pitching staffs have five strong. And right now, if you look at Hendricks and you look at Steele and you look at Stroman, that's a good start. What I'm most excited about, not just about the rotation, but about this pitching staff in general, is there is more homegrown talent that we've seen in a long time on this Cubs team. And they did pick up some good good guys. Robertson, I think, is, is going to settle in nicely as the closer. But this is a team that has a lot of people that have come up through the system and are pitching the Cubs way because they've been able to transform and, and, and uh, work on pitchers' careers in the past. And you can't always overpay for the free agents. And so most teams that have had great success, it's because they came up through their system. And the Cubs need to be able to do that because they definitely ran into those concerns um, after that 15, 16, 17 run. All right, so let's move on to the fifth thing, Chad. And a big question now with the season beginning is, will Wilson Contreras be a part of this team throughout the entire year? Where do you think he ends up? Does he stay with the Cubs, or will this team trade him at midseason and try and get something for him as one of the better defensive catchers in baseball? I am so sick of these questions. How many times did we have to hear about Chris Bryant for years when there was no intention of, of trading him ahead of when they traded him. You know, he is right now one of the better catchers in this league. He is incredibly necessary. If this team decides to just be really bad and they are tanking, then yeah, maybe you look and see what you can churn. Um, but it's not like there's young talent that's ready right now. Maya's not ready. He's, 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 uh, he's hurt. And so Wilson Contreras is right now the emotional leader of this team. I think Chicago media and Chicago Cubs Twitter just loves talking about when are they going to go and oh, but it's so sad. It it we create these dialogues and we heard from every single one of those players that did get traded at the deadline that it really wasn't a distraction before that. They knew as the deadline got closer it was going to happen, but we were talking years and years and seasons in advance. And honestly, Wilson Contreras is the catcher of this team. There's nobody behind him right now. The success of this Cubs team is going to determine if Wilson gets flipped for value or if he stays on. Well, here's where I disagree with you, Chad. I, I do think ultimately he is going to be traded. I don't know if they're going to sign a contract. And you said there's no one behind him. Well, Miguel Amaya is behind him, and he's somebody that the Cubs covet in the minor leagues. He's somebody that this team ultimately feels like is going to be the future at catcher for this organization. It's just a matter of when is he going to be ready. So is Wilson Contreras really the guy that we're going to see for the long term? I mean, he's got a gun for an arm, but to be fair, his offense is not very good. He, he has not really put up the offensive numbers since, I want to say around 2016, 2017. He, he had some a couple of good years. His average has definitely dipped over the past few years. So for me, I mean, listen, I think Wilson Contreras has been great. Obviously, he is one of the few people left from this 2016 championship team. He's been a great leader. Um, but I think at the end of the day, and he's passionate, we, we know that. But at the end of the day, is it ultimately going to allow us? We know that catchers are at a premium in Major League Baseball. So do we think that he is going to be able to, A, get something back in return? And B, is he going to be in the, in the, in the, where the Cubs want to pay somebody that kind of money um, for a catcher who, as we know, catchers tend to break down. So for me, I don't, I don't think he will be with this team uh, the entire year. I think that we could see at the training deadline, a move where Wilson Contreras is, is no longer with this organization. 
but it doesn't solve your problem, which is bringing up Amaya. Amaya's out with Tommy John surgery. He's not, he's not going to be there. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And uh, again, if you could flip for value, go for it. But I actually, I think the Cubs actually are going to make the right decision. Having a franchise catcher like this, that's a really good opportunity for them. So let's move on to the sixth inning and uh, let's talk about the NL central. Who do you got? Where do you put the Cubs? You know, uh, Who's better than them? Who's worse? Where, who's the cream of the crop in the NL Central? Well, here's my breakdown, Chad. I, I personally think that this team is, again, fourth place. I said it last year. I still believe that. They're better than the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, but they're not better than the Cardinals, who I still think are the best team in the National League Central. And then I think the Brewers are probably the second best team. And then you're looking at the Reds and the Cubs, um, probably neck and neck, but I still think the Reds are maybe slightly better than, than the Cubs going into the year. Um, so I'm going to go fourth place, and I think the one team that once again is going to be below the Cubs, that being the Pittsburgh Pirates. So for me, it's an easy answer. I see fourth place. I said it last year. I believe it again this year. That's where I feel like they're ultimately ending up. I don't know what you're looking at. I don't know the rosters you're looking at. The Reds, right before the season started, did a lot of purging. They cut a lot of payroll. They're down in Nick Castellanos. I, I don't see it. The Reds are are, are not going all in right now. The Reds are, are trying to be somewhat serviceable. The Pirates, obviously, they trimmed a lot of fat. And what I, you know, what's interesting about the Cardinals is they're kind of going in all in on this farewell tour with, uh, you know, with, with pools coming back in and, and, and kind of that search for, you know, can he get to, to 700, which is not going to happen with 22 or 23 home runs. And then, you know, long awaited departure of their catcher. Uh, I got to tell you, I, I, this weekend didn't tell us anything a bit uh, against what, you know, what the brewers are going to be because last year, two of their guys were in the top five in Cy Young, but the Cubs beat two of those guys that were top five in the Cy Young. And, I don't see anything about the Brewers other than their pitching staff that says, oh, these guys are going to be world beaters from an offensive standpoint. Um, and the Cardinals have just got a year older. Yes, they have Nolan, um, and he's a solid third baseman, but they've got a lot of guys on their kind of legacy end of the road tour, and those don't normally bode well. It, it creates a nice story if you're you're like our buddy J- Jeremy Kahneman, who's, who's thinking, yeah, you know what, it's going to be a great story when they make it to the – the World Series, but it doesn't always work that way when you've got three aging legacy guys that they're thinking about the greatness that they they all accomplished a decade ago. It's been a decade plus since that t- that that Cardinal team has been in the World Series. I don't see that change in this year. So I actually have the Cubs second this year, but with an opportunity to gel at the right time and potentially what I think take a weak Central Division. <laughs> Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. And do we have a blockbuster guest for our first guest of the 2022 season? Of course, he is a correspondent on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. He is a stand-up comedian. You have seen him multitude of times on Late Night, on his comedy specials. And in fact, he has a new comedy special that you can stream on Paramount Plus called Imperfect Messenger. You can find him on Twitter and on Instagram. It is our pleasure to welcome Roy Wood Jr. to the Friendly Confines. How you doing? How you doing? Roy, it is such a pleasure to have you on. 
we, um, you know, we kind of pride ourselves on our guests. We've gotten some really great guests over the years. We had uh, Chris Witoski, who is, you know, the star of Chicago Party Ant. I don't know if you're familiar with that show on yes, Netflix. Yes, yes. Um, we've had George Will on, uh, you know, the writer for the Washington Post, who's a diehard Cubs fan, uh, Joe Buck. So we are so proud we can add you to the list of luminaries here <laughs> on the friendly confines. Thank you so much. And again, we I'll want to make it. sure people know Imperfect Messenger is the name of your stand-up special on Paramount+. Plus. We're going to talk about that too, Roy. But first, let's talk about the Cubs a little bit. You are a diehard Cubs fan, but it is interesting to note you have never lived in Chicago. You did not grow up in Chicago. So how did Roy no. Wood Jr. become a Chicago Cubs fan that he is today? So my father moved to Chicago when he was 10 years old and, you know, just through his matriculation in the city and ultimately working at one of the first black news stations in the country, radio news stations in the country, WVON, um, he ended up doing a um, radio show with Ernie Banks every week for years and years. And so when we eventually left when they eventually left Chicago and, you know, he met my mom and they ended up in Birmingham, the Cubs are what came on during the day. And that's what my dad would sometimes have on. And I already loved baseball. And he's like, oh, you know a dude that used to play for the, all right, that's enough for me. Because at the time, you have to also remember in, in Birmingham in the 80s, the Braves were trash. The Braves had a terrible 80s. The Cubs, this is just, I'm just spitting statistics. The Cubs had a better 80s than the Braves. And so also the other variable was that the Braves came on TV at night and we only had one TV with cable. So at night you're fighting two other people for the one TV with the cable box. So even if I was a Braves fan, I was never going to be able to watch them because my dad had other other shit that he got the night riders on boy we're watching the space car like, all right fine let's watch this aggressive ass tesla <laughs> go around and bother people <laughs> so you know it, it just you you watch the team every day and you fall in love with them and you know that was that so who is your favorite player as a kid growing up? You and I are around the same age. I'm a little older than you, but I'm 43. My guy was Sean Dunstan. Yeah. Shawan yeah. Dunstan. The, the the electric, like his bat speed, the just the aggressive way with which he played the position of shortstop. I was never gonna be a shortstop. I was too slow. So I was always left field or first base. You know, those were kind of my two niche positions, but uh, Sean Dunstan, that was the guy that I always just enjoyed the way he played the game, you know, that I I couldn't really imitate his bat flip, like the way his swing finished, you know, the, the completion of the swing into the flipping of the bat back towards the on-deck circle. Um, Jerome Walton was my first real – like that was the, that's the first – baseball player i can consciously remember imitating is jerome walton's ridiculously open stance and cal ripkin's flat bat and then i soon realized that i did not have the bat speed for that i need to have this bat already halfway around <laughs> before the pitcher winds up so i went from cal ripkin 
to kind of more of a Brady Anderson kind of approach. I don't know if anybody's old enough to remember Brady Anderson with the Orioles, but yeah, the bat was already sitting out over the plate for him before the pitcher even wound up. So, yeah, you that's how it happened. I, I'm curious what your first, do you remember your first Cubs game and what that experience was like for you? Yeah, Cubs Dodgers, I think it was 07. Derek Lowe threw a one hitter. Jerry Harrison Jr. came out the dugout in the seventh, prepared to beat the shit out of somebody. I don't remember who, um, but that was my first game. That was my first time ever at Wrigley. Up until that point, professional baseball, I'd only seen the Braves and Mets. So the Braves, and I will give the Braves this. The Braves used to have, back in the Fulton Fulton County Stadium days, um, they would have $5 general admission tickets. $5. And so it was obstructed view. So you were sitting up in the you know third deck behind the Jumbotron. And like it's where high school kids came to make out and settle fights and beef and there's drunks. It's it's chaos. It was straight up chaos, but I remember that. Um, but you know, other than that, it's it only been minor league games up until that point in my life. So, I want to get to your kind of uh, overview of the 2022 season. We saw them kind of trade off the core, as you will, from that 2016 team. Um, do you trust this front office to be able to do the right thing and kind of get things straight again, or are we going to be in for a long? rebuild and and maybe go back to that moniker of being lovable losers again what do you think i don't i don't think the cubs are in a full rebuild i think they're in kind of a remodeling you know like they haven't completely like blown everything that they had like wisdom was an unexpected surprise check um i think getting big zero to sign as a free agent i think that's a good get check Strowman, um, I'm still holding out hope that that one member of that core will come back. Now, we know Javi's already done, and he's in Detroit because money, and I guess he just, you know, probably not happy with the way things unfolded at Wrigley. Um, I personally don't think Chris Bryant will come back. I just don't. I just don't know if he'll come back. And I don't know if the Cubs want Rizzo. I hate to say that, but I just you, you just don't know. Well, what do you do with Frank Schwindel no. is the question if you bring back Rizzo, right? Yeah, that's the question. And Frank is playing good enough that he's earned an opportunity to at least fight for a spot. Um, you know, the other thing you could do with a guy like Frank is if you bring back Rizzo, trade Frank for a couple of arms. Wouldn't hurt to have the bullpen a little bit more stacked, you know. I'm excited to see what Braylon Marquez brings to the table. You know, that's a good young name. And, you know, Brennan Davis at some point is going to get the call up either later in 2022 or 23. You know, I don't think that the Cubs are that far off. And when you look at last season, the Cubs, fuck, I, I forget what the statistic was. Somebody in the East, was it the Cubs and Braves both had the same record? Yes. It, it was uh, it, oh, the Cardinals. Like, well, the Cardinals too. Yeah, like there was there was there was another team in the East that had the same that like was within a no, game. It was the, the Cubs Braves. Were You're right. It 
It was the Braves. Okay. You're correct. Yeah. There you go. So Cubs and Braves were basically the same team, numerically speaking. And the Central was much more winnable than the East. And, you know, we had already traded away the core before then. And so, you know, to still be treading water at that point. And then, of course, you know, Milwaukee is just a fucking buzzsaw. And the Cardinals, that's where I think we have the opportunity to be, where no one ever talks about the Cardinals rebuilding. It's just, oh, they need to move a piece or two around and they'll be back next year. Like the Cardinals just go in for a pit stop and they're right back out on the track. They're never fully out of the race. And I think we have an opportunity to be one of those perennial, you know, always their teams. We've had a nice little stretch of making it to the playoffs every year where I think we've earned that now where we could look at 21 as, all right, that was, we needed to save money and get a couple of picks and prospects. So we will rebuild now for cheaper. We had Theo Epstein on um, this podcast that we did. It was a limited series podcast called The Run. And it was myself and um, a guy from um, 670, The Score, Matt Spiegel and Matt. And I was speaking with a lot of the people who were the architects of the 2016 championship. And we had Theo on. And Theo says something that I found to be very, like the whole point of that podcast run, we were trying to figure out whether we should be happy that we got one or pissed because we didn't get three or four. Right, right. Which will forever be the dichotomy of 2016. And Theo said something that, you know, only a GM would notice and that myself as a fan, I just never picked up on. Nobody has repeated as World Series champion in almost 20 years. So the idea that if you'd have kept that core perfectly together and paid a lot of money, odds are there was still going to be some baseball weird shit that happens to you. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I just think that I'm very optimistic in the long-term aspects of the team remaining competitive. And the fact that even after they traded the core away, we were still, we still had a shot until early August to kind of, well, if we can turn it around, Oh, we lost seven. Oh shit. The Cardinals are surging. Well, Milwaukee's not losing either. They're like, so it, you just, you, you add an arm, you get a couple of better people, you know, around the infield, you get some plate discipline. And I think you'll be okay. I think, I think we'll be okay. And our thanks to Roy Wood Jr. of The Daily Show. Awesome guest to kick yeah. off the 2022 season, Chad. And you can find Roy on Twitter at Roy Wood Jr. Be sure to check him out there. And, of course, be sure to check him out on The Daily Show and his comedy special as well. And don't forget, Chad, I, I know you're an 80s fan. Roy Wood Jr. going to be in the reboot of the movie Fletch with John Hamm. So stay tuned yeah. for that as well. That's going to be a lot of fun. And don't forget, if you want to follow us on social media, check out Ryan at Ryan D. Lieber at Twitter. You can follow me at the Chad Gordon. And of course, look for us at Cubs confines as well. Um, if you haven't already joined our Facebook page, um, which is the Chicago Cubs friendly confines, Facebook headquarters. Uh, and then you can also find us on Cubs confines, uh, yeah, a lot of, lot of information that we just shared with you there. But uh, we're excited to have you. If you're new um, with our new connection, um, we're really glad to hear you. Let's move on to the eighth inning. And, oh, goodness, what, what, about, what, what is it about rich people and their to toys? 
Um, you've got a little bit of like, you know, geopolitical issues that have caused the uh, Russian oligarch to get rid of his, his stake in the Chelsea soccer club and all the rich guys are coming out and the Ricketts family, they want a new toy. They want a premier soccer team. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, look, I think if you're a Cub fan and the easy thing to say is, so you can go out and buy a soccer club, but yet you sit here and say, we don't have enough money to pay for big time free agents. So what's your priority? And look, like at the end of the day, it's a business. And I understand that Cub fans are annoyed at the Ricketts and they're upset with what they're maybe not doing. But again, they're an organization. They're a business. They're a company that is looking to gain, um, you know, finances and to uh, create a portfolio for themselves and to make money. And, and they are doing what they need to do to make that happen. So the Cubs have their own sort of silo where they're able to spend what they spend. And then the Ricketts can go and spend money on other things as well. It's not a one size fits all. So Look, I mean, they have every right to go in and buy other clubs and do what they need to do. Um, I'm not a soccer fan per se, Chad. I know that's maybe not um, that's very unpopular in today's age, but I'm not a soccer guy. So like to me, I guess it's cool. I can tell you that I know that the fans of Chelsea are not excited about the Ricketts buying this club um, potentially. (laughs) And I know they're going to have to do a lot of PR to get people to be excited about them being the new owners. Um, so there's that, that they're going to have to deal with and let alone that they have cub fans annoyed with them too. So the Ricketts are not very popular right now, but when it's all said and done, Hey, they're entitled to do whatever it is that they want to do. And it looks like they're going to try and do that. So that that's kind of my stance on it. What about you? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's premier league soccer. I, it, it, it one thing has nothing to do with the other, and that's another thing that that I just don't understand. Where the the casual fan, they maybe they just don't understand that. Like, are you are you diving into what the the Ricketts family are doing with their brokerage house and the funding that they're doing there and the salaries they spend out there? No, because it has nothing to do with the Cubs. The Cubs are uh, run as an organization, and up until this year and the end of last year, they had a top five payroll. So they have consistently spent. Have they spent poorly? That's not the Ricketts' fault. That's Theo and Jed's fault. They put some big money around some big contracts that are no longer um, on the payroll. They have a lot of flexibility. They're not going to sit here as a middle-of-the-pack payroll. The Premier, I mean, it's kind of funny when like the fans of one team would rather have a, um, a Russian oligarch who is funding you know, a potential world war helping his buddy Putin. Like, let's keep that guy. We don't want these Ricketts, you know. But again, how much of that is actually, you know, is actually uh, true? Um, at the end of the day, every team just wants free willing, free spending owners that are going to invest heavily in their team. And they spend heavily in Premier League. And this is generational wealth building. They already have their billions and they want to own a piece of something that potentially in 20 years could be worth a trillion dollars. That's what this move's all about. It has nothing to do with the business going on at Clark at Addison. All right. So let's finish up our final inning of the night, Chad. And that is the ninth inning. And of course, we now kick off this 2022 season. What are your ultimate predictions on what we will see for the Cubs this year? Lifelong fantasies for everybody. The Cubs are going to win. They're going to have to win it in five because they will not have the best record. So they will be the lower seeded team in the World Series. So they're going to win it at Wrigley Field in five. 
You can book it right here. I'm going to say that they're going to take down another surprise. They're going to take down Anthony Rizzo's Yankees. It's going to be the most highest paid or highest viewed World Series in in, in history. Um, that's what I'd love to see. What I want to see is just what we're starting to see right now is what this homegrown talent could look like, what these underdogs can do, how scrappy can they be, what can this front office do if they have the ability um, because the team is competitive to make some moves at the trade deadline. You know, or what about all these young kids that are coming up through the system? Brennan Davis, super excited about that. Um, super, a lot of other pitchers that are coming up. So I just, I just want to see a, a scrappy team that is competitive um, day in and day out and, and is not – it just seemed hopeless at times over the last couple of seasons when they were down. I want to see a team that doesn't give up. And so far, that's what we're seeing. Yeah, I, I have no doubt they're going to be a scrappy team. I, I also have no doubt that they might be a fun team to watch because, again, there's no expectations on this team. As I said before, I'm not expecting them to be anything big this year. I'm not expecting them to win. I'm not expecting them to be good. I know you think they're going to be in second place. I, I don't even remotely know what you're seeing, but, hey, more power to you if you do. That's great. I, I still think this team is at best a fourth-place team. I stand by the the standings that I put together. I still think that the the teams that I named are going to finish ahead of them. But again, it, if if this team can maybe surprise some people, and maybe this will be a, a fan favorite sort of team where you sit there and you go, "Wow, like we didn't expect much from this player. We didn't expect much from Patrick Wisdom or from Seiya Suzuki or from Frank Schwindel or whoever that may be." Ian Happ. And, and look at what this team is doing now. And now we're actually enjoying watching this ball club. Nothing is more fun, in my opinion, than when you see a team that you're expecting nothing from and they surprise you. And maybe we'll see that from this team this year. That's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario, again, no expectations, but they're just a bad baseball team. And, yeah. and that might very well be the case. So, so with that, you know, they ride us right for next critics. inning. I always like to, if you let me a little one opportunity to kind of wrap at the end after you say that let's make a wager next week let's make that the the ninth inning let's figure out a wager my second place against your fourth and let's put some meat let's put some skin in the game deal let's do it i will do it with that that is going to wrap things up on our first edition of the 2022 season of the friendly confines our welcome back thanks to roy wood jr from the daily show we appreciate him joining us so for chad I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. Have a good one.